0: Did
1: anyone go to the lake on 4th of July? Anyone do any 4th? Okay, there we go. Uh, Did anyone happen to grill out on the 4th of July? There we go, a few more. How many of you shot off fireworks on the 4th of July? Let me see you. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, so for those of you that didn't know, this was the first year that, like, fireworks were, like, legal in Georgia, and so the fireworks, like, floodgates were opened, and so everyone that could buy fireworks bought fireworks, and it was amazing, man. I loved it. I'm a huge, huge fan of fireworks, and so it was fun because, um, actually, Saturday night, Catherine and I were, like, hanging out with uh, her family for a little bit, which is 4th of July, and then as we were driving home, we, like, pulled into our neighborhood, and, uh, you know, where our house is, it's kind of to the left, so you pull into the neighborhood, go to the left to, to get to our house. Well, we pulled into the neighborhood, and then to my right, I heard what sounded like um, someone's house exploded. Like it was the loudest, like I'd, I had no idea what it was, and so I was like, oh my gosh like there must be flames and people dying, like we should go help them. And so instead of taking a left, we took a right and we pulled into the cul-de-sac and then there were all these fireworks in the middle with just a bunch of people with like some tailgating chairs in the cul-de-sac, just chilling. And so then we like backed the car up and then watched the fireworks, it was amazing. So we got to see that for a little bit and then we went back to our house and then our neighbors had some fireworks too. So we like pulled into the garage and then literally like we sat down in the driveway Just like this, and just watch the fireworks. It was amazing. Like, I absolutely love Fourth of July. I love the fireworks. And then the next day, uh, something patriotic happened on July 5th. Does anyone know what it was? July 5th? Maybe that night? Maybe one person knows. Okay, well, that night, yeah, no. Okay, so uh, it was the World Cup. And our USA women's team dominated, man. It was incredible. We got to, uh, got to watch the game. And then shortly after that, I saw on Twitter there was something flying around. Maybe some of you saw it. Uh, it was this right here. Every kick is a free kick when you play for America. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, it's a soccer joke. Okay, so it's fine. Um, all of us were like fans of soccer for 90 minutes that day. It was incredible. I absolutely loved, loved, loved watching that game. And it kind of reminded me of like this series that we're in right now. Because the series that we're in is called For the Win. And it reminded me that all of us love winning and we wa- uh, love watching other people win as well, right? Like there is no better feeling than when your team wins. There's no better feeling than when you get to be a part of a team that's winning. And maybe it's like the football team or the lacrosse team, you know, or the softball team or whatever. But you were like so pumped to be winning. And that's how, that's how all of us feel, right? Like no one would go up to their coach and say, coach, coach, real quick. Um, I just want you to know I, I prefer losing. Like losing is actually, can we try that this game? I really, really, really want to lose, right? Like no one would say that because all of us want to win. That's why people don't write songs like all I do is lose, 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 no matter what, right? Like no one says that because no one feels that way because all of us, all the time, we want to win. And that's why, that's why Robbie last week when he kind of opened up the series, he said this. He said, we want to win at life. And the reason he said this is because it's way more than just playing for a team, like it's in life as well, right? Like all of us wanna win in life and maybe it's not on the soccer field or on the football field, maybe it's like with a relationship, you know, you want to win her over, you want to win him over, or maybe you want to like win your parents over, you know, which some of you are like, I don't want to do that. And yes, you do, because you want to do stuff, right? You want to win your parents over so that at least you can do stuff, right? And so we all want to win in kind of every single area of life, but for whatever reason, even though all of us feel this way, that we all want to win in life, even babies feel this way, okay? <laughs> even babies feel this way. We all want to win in life, but for whatever reason, something always gets in the way. Right? Like there's always an obstacle. There's always something stopping us from what we really want to do and the person that we really want to be and who we actually are today. Um, it it, it kind of reminds me of when I was in college. Um, for those of you that don't know, I went to uh, the University of Georgia. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I don't appreciate the booze that I heard, but I'm going to ignore that. Okay, so I went to UGA, which is like awesome. I love that place. I love Athens. And uh, UGA is a really, really, really big school. In fact, there's like 30,000 people that go to UGA. Okay, so tons and tons and tons of people. And because there's so many people, everyone is like in everything. Like if 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 you go on the campus of UGA, you're gonna find someone who's into something new that you've like never heard of or you were never interested in or whatever. Um, well, I actually had some friends that were like really into this like really strange thing. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, it's called running. I know it's weird. Just bear with me. They like to run for fun. I know. Shocking, right? It's like, uh, and here's the, here's the worst part is they really, really, really like loved running and really got into it. And they tried to like recruit me to their side, you know? And so they would like tell me all about the health benefits of running. You know, they were like, yeah, like, you know, it's so good. It's like good for your heart if you run, you know, and like your lungs, like, you, you know, you have better lungs when you run. And that didn't work for me. And they're like, okay, well, like, well, you get stressed. It's like a stress reliever if you run, you know? So you should run, because you'll get stress relief. And then they brought science into it, and they were like, when you run, it like releases endorphins, and you feel amazing, you know? And I was like, yeah, but, but you're running. You know what I'm saying? Like, but you're running. Like, why would you run? Like, running is the punishment when you play other sports. You know what I'm saying? It's like you did something wrong go run a lap, you know, no one does that for fun, and so they kept trying to convince me, and I kept, I kept saying like, no, 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 that's like the worst thing ever, in fact, I told them, I were like, you know, there's only two reasons why you should run, um, and I'm going to help you out, you might not know this, number one reason is if someone is chasing you, okay, great reason to run, I see that in movies all the time, okay, so run if someone's chasing you, the other reason is, if there's like a place that serves food, and a line is forming, then you should run so you can get in line, okay? But that's it, okay? Those are the only two reasons that you should run. There's really no other reason beside that. But something strange happened when I was in college because for me, one day, all of that changed because I discovered something. I discovered that Catherine liked to run. And so uh, I liked Catherine, and so I wanted to be into what Catherine was into, so then I was like, you know what? Running is awesome, you know? It's like the greatest thing ever. And so then I said this. I said, "I'm going to run." This was kind of my statement was, "I'm going to run." And more specifically, I'm going to be one of those like runner guys. You, do you know what I'm saying? You know the runner guys, the guys that like, you know, when they run, they're just like gliding on the pavement, like super cool. And their hair is kind of like going in the breeze, you know. And they're just like chill about it. And they're just like, you know, they're running and they're in shape. And then I could like kind of, you know, see it. You know, I could see the picture of me running. And I'm doing that and everyone's like heads are turning. And they're like, who's that? He's like a runner guy, you know. I'm like, yeah, I'm just a runner guy. And then I kind of envision myself like running by Catherine's dorm, you know. And I'd be like running and I'd see her and, you know, kind of lock eyes a little bit. And then I wink at her, you know. Even though I don't know how to wink, but it would be like this. And I would (laughs) blink. I will just blink, so she thinks I'm winking, and so, like, I'm going, and then maybe, you know, I kind of, this was the vision, is that maybe she was, like, leaving her dorm, you know, and so she's there, and so I'm running up, and I do the cool, like, slow jog thing, you know what I'm saying, like the, hey, what's up, gotta keep the heart rate up, you know what I'm saying, because I'm a runner, it's no big deal, it's whatever, um, how you doing, you know, and it's like, it's like we're talking and stuff, and then, you know, she starts telling me about her day, and, you know, I'm talking to her, and I'm like, well, hey, um, gotta run, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, all right, anyway, see you later, and so then I run off, like, I could see it, you know, like, I'm gonna be that runner guy, so, so I get back to, I, I get back to the house I was living at, and I didn't have any, you know, running equipment or running shoes, so I just put on normal, like, tennis shoes, and then I put on some shorts, and then I didn't have the cool, like, dry fit, you know, shirt, so I just put on, like, a cotton t-shirt, um, and then, I don't know why, but I put on a backwards baseball hat, because I wanted to be, like, aerodynamic, you know what I'm saying, I wanted to kind of, kind of do that thing and I was like I'm gonna run this is it man I'm gonna run and so then I set out from the house and started running and I got about a half mile in and it turns out running is really hard like really hard I was like are you kidding me like I'm completely out of breath after just a half mile I'm like sweating I'm tired my legs are burning you know my my lungs are like on fire and I'm like what do I do so I just turned around and kind of defeated walked back to the house and my roommates must have known that I was going to be such a big failure so they had their cameras ready so this was literally this this happened like 10 seconds after I walked into the house I know this was me and I'm huddled over the sink because I'm like about to vomit you know it's like this is this is not a good day you can see my face is pale and I'm sweating and like my lungs are burning and my legs are just like terrible and I'm not having a good time so this is the picture uh, after the very first time that I ran in college it is also the picture of the very last time that I ran in college. That was it. I was like, "Uh-uh, I am not doing that anymore. I bailed, man. That thing was too hard." And so I gave up. I was like, "I am done running." And all of us have done like something like this before where you like start out to do something cuz you want to be like better, you know? Like all of us want to be better than we are today. We all want to win in life. And so, you know, maybe for you you had, you know, all these dreams of being like healthier, having better relationships or having a better like relationship with God. And so what you do is you kind of start where you're at right now and you see yourself in the future and the bridge between who you are and who you want to be is these two words. I'm gonna, right? So like, you know, you want to, uh, you want to be, you know, better at like school because last year's grades weren't so hot. So then you say this, you say, I'm gonna study more, right? I'm gonna work harder or maybe for you it's like January, you know, spring break is just around the corner. And you want that spring break bod, you know what I'm saying? So you're like, I'm gonna work out. Like, I'm gonna go to the gym. I'm gonna get fit. I'm gonna be ready for spring break. Or maybe for you, you know, you, you like come here and you get super excited about, um, about God. Or maybe you get really like inspired. And so you think, man, I'm gonna pray more. Or like, I'm gonna read my Bible more. Or, you know, Steve said not to do that, so I'm not going to do that anymore. But he said I should do that, so I'm going to start doing that. And you get all excited and you get all, like, pumped because you said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. And then after, like, a few days or, like, a few weeks or a few months, all the gunnas are gone. And they've turned into shouldas. And you're like, man, I really, I should have, I should have done that. And then before you know it, you got this like sinking feeling of like regret, you know, because you really wanted to, but you never did. And so it's like the pit in your stomach and you don't really know what to do. In fact, this is the way that I, um, this is the way that I like to define regret. Regret is a big pile of shoulda. Okay, I want to make sure you heard that correctly, shoulda. Okay, a big pile of shoulda, that's all regret is. Just a big old pile of man, I shoulda. Man, if only I'd have done that. Right, so maybe for you, you get your report card and you're like, "Gah, I didn't know numbers could go that low. Like that is, is that negative? You know?" And then you start thinking, "Man, I shoulda studied. Man, I shoulda worked harder." Or maybe like you know, you and your parents are fighting again, and you tried to be more patient, but you just blew up and you said, "Man, I, I shoulda listened." Or maybe it's like you and a group of friends, but like there's some friends that you no longer talk to and you see them and you kind of have that feeling of regret because you said things you shouldn't have said. Or maybe for you, you're like sitting in your room and you're grounded and you're thinking, man, I should have, or I shouldn't have done that. And so all of a sudden, this regret starts piling up and you got a big pile of should have because you really wanted to, but for whatever reason, you didn't. And so the question for tonight, the question that I want us to kind of gather around is this question. How do you keep, how do you keep your gunnas from turning into shouldas? You know, like all of us want to be better. We all want to win in life, but how on earth do you keep all the gunnas that you have from turning into to shouldas? And the cool thing is the guy, um, this guy named Solomon, who's like the wisest person who ever lived, actually answers this question. So I want us to look together at Proverbs chapter 14. So do this, grab your Bibles, they should be like under your chair or maybe right under the chair in front of you. We're gonna look at Proverbs chapter 14 on page uh, 642. 642, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 23. And as you guys are turning there, I wanna talk a little bit about this guy Solomon. Robbie gave a great introduction to who Solomon was. Um, In fact, Robbie said this, Robbie said that scripture, according to scripture, Solomon was the wisest person who ever lived. And the cool thing is, historians agree. In fact, Christian and non-Christian historians agree that Solomon was the wisest person who ever lived. Even people during the time of Solomon thought that as well. Like people from all over, people from different countries, different belief systems, different like religious thoughts, they came and they sought out Solomon because of how wise he was. In fact, there's a story of this woman who was actually queen of Sheba, kind of like the queen of Egypt. And she traveled a great distance just to be around Solomon because she had like this leadership decision that she didn't really know how to answer. And so she sat at the feet of Solomon wanting to listen to what he had to say because of how wise he was. And so Proverbs is this book written by this guy who's like the wisest person who ever lived. And so for a lot of us, myself included, when you hear that, that this guy who was like the wisest person who ever lived and he wrote a book, some of you, and again, me too, start thinking like, oh, well... He must have, like, he was a king, so he was probably writing it to all the peasants, you know? All the, like, guys in his town that, like, weren't really that smart, and so he's trying to help him out, and he's like, I know stuff that you don't know. Let me help you out. Here's Proverbs, right? Because I'm the smartest person who ever lived. Let me help you out. And so a lot of times we look at Proverbs, and we think it's written from a king to his people, or a king to, like, you know, his countrymen. But the truth is, the truth is Proverbs is actually written from a dad to his son. It's not a king to his people. It's actually the heart of a father to his kids. In fact, as you begin reading Proverbs, right at the very beginning, he starts off by saying, oh, my son, if you would just listen. Oh, my son, I care so much about you. This is not the heart of a guy who thinks he's incredibly intelligent trying to help out the common people. No, this is the heart of a dad trying to instill wisdom into his kids because he wants his kids to have a better life than they have right now. He wants them to be wise, to make wise decisions, to not live with regret. And so with that in mind, that is like the context under which this verse was written. And so as we're reading through Proverbs, remember, this is not a king to his people. This was a dad to his son. So this is what he says in Proverbs chapter 14 to his kids. He said, oh, my son, listen, all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk, mere talk leads only to poverty. And see, Solomon is selling it just like it is. Like he's not cutting, you know, beating around the bush. He's telling it just like it is. And this first part is something that you've probably heard before, right? All hard work brings a profit, kind of like hard hard work pays off, right? In fact, you might've even heard your dad say that, or maybe you heard your mom say that, like hard work pays off, so you really gotta work. And that's exactly what Solomon is saying right here. He's talking to his kids. He's saying hard work pays off. But I wanna spend the majority of our time talking about the second part of this verse, because this is where we live. See, we live in the mere talk. We live in the I'm gonna. We live in the here are the things that I'm planning on doing, so I'm gonna talk about doing it without ever actually doing it. Now, the interesting thing is this word right here, poverty. Poverty literally means wanting more. In other words, when you just talk about something, it leaves you wanting more. It leaves you empty. It leaves you with regret, with a big pile of shouldas. In other words, if we could kind of rearrange this verse, I think this might be more the heart of a dad to his kids saying this, hard work pays off, but talking leaves you wanting more. In fact, if we were to consolidate it down even more, it might sound something like this, and this is actually in your notes, doing gets you where talking won't. Actually doing gets you where just talking about it never will. Now, now, as you're thinking about that, I want to make sure you know that, like, what this verse is not saying and what this is not saying. This is not saying that if you try really hard or you work really hard, then you're going to get an A. Or if you will work really hard, then you're going to make the team. Or if you work really hard, then everything in life is going to work out and no one's going to hate you and everyone's going to love you and everything is going to work as long as you work really hard. That's not what it's saying. But what it is saying is when you actually do, it takes you way further than just talking about it. So maybe you're not going to be a starter on the team, but if you actually practice and you actually work hard, maybe it actually leads to you getting on the team. And maybe you're not going to get an A in the class, but maybe working hard and studying hard is actually going to get you to a B. Now, the other thing this is not saying, this is not saying that this is easy, right? Doing is not always easy. In fact, hard work is not always easy. And um, so this is in your notes, and some of you might think this is a really dumb statement I'm about to make, um, but I'm kind of a simple person, and so for me, this kind of helped make sense. He's saying this, hard work is hard, (laughs) okay? He's not saying hard work is easy. In fact, the word that he uses for hard work is painful diligence, painful uh, diligence, meaning it's not always easy. You might not always feel like it. Hard work is actually hard, but, but. It's worth it. See, hard work is difficult. It's really hard. But oh my gosh, it's worth it. See, after I, uh, after I graduated from UGA, Catherine and I um, got married and uh, we ended up living in Atlanta, right in the middle of Atlanta. And uh, I had, you know, back when I was in college, I said that I was gonna run. I said I was gonna be a runner. But, you know, my gunna turned into a shoulda and I never really did that. But then when we were living in Atlanta, we were literally living like downtown, middle of Atlanta. Um, We live just a few miles away from this 10k race that happens once a year. In fact, it's a race that many of you have probably heard of, called the Peachtree Road Race. The Peachtree Road Race is the largest 10k in the United States. So literally, people come from all over the states, and they come from other countries too, just to run this race. And so I started thinking, man, if, if, if our doorstep is like a few miles away, how can I not run this race? I mean, people are traveling from all over just to be a part of the Peachtree Road Race. And so I decided I'm gonna run. And this time I actually meant it. And so like I mentioned before, Catherine enjoyed running. She actually ran cross country when she was in high school. And so when I started training, um, I asked her to kind of tag along and so we, we, we got to run together and uh, it, was like, it was like tortoise in the hare. You know, we started running, and I ran really fast, and she was a little bit slower, and I was like, oh my gosh, I got this. And then sure enough, I got about a half mile in, and was about to die, and Catherine just kept kind of gliding along. You know. She just, she just kept on running. And so the end result of that very first run was the exact same as the other run that I did in college, and that my lungs were, you know, they were on fire, and my legs were hurting, and I was sweating and pale. But the difference was, a few days later, I ran again. And again, I could only get to a half mile, and some, you know, for some of you, that's like laughable. You're like, are you kidding me? You couldn't even do a full? No, I couldn't. I could only do about a half mile um, uh, without stopping. But then a few days later, I ran again, and I got a little bit further than a half mile. And then a few days later, I got a little bit further. And a few days later, I got a little bit further. And a few days later, I got a little bit further until finally, I was able to run one mile without stopping. And I'm telling you, this was a big deal. This was like, are you kidding me? That is amazing, that is incredible. I just ran a mile without stopping. Like, this is so good. And then I continued running. And I continued training. And Catherine and I would run together and eventually I got to two miles. And then I told my friend about it. Um, My friend Matt, uh, he actually ran Uh, cross country in high school as well so he and I would actually run together and again he was way faster and way better than me and I said dude you're gonna have to slow down because I'm really not good but I really want to run the Peachtree Road Race so we would train together and we would do you know cross training together and we would um, work out together and we would run together and then eventually I got to three miles without stopping and three miles about halfway to the um, 10k which is 6.2 miles And then I continued training even when it was hot, even when it was early, continued training and eventually got to four miles and five miles. Until it was the day uh, of the big race, which is July 4th every year. And I remember lining up and they have a big American flag that they wave and the streets are all closed down so you can run and there's 60,000 people getting ready to run the Peachtree Road Race. And so I started running. And about an hour later, I ended up finishing the Peachtree Road Race and did not stop once. And I was so like pumped and so excited because I set out to run and I actually did it. And then I kept training because I heard that there was a half marathon a few months later. And so I ended up training for um, a half marathon that takes place on Thanksgiving Day and I ran that half marathon. And then I continued running, continued training, and then the next year I ran the peach tree again and ran it in an even faster time. And then after that, ran the half marathon again in an even faster time. And then me and Matt, the guy that I was training with, we were like, dude, we've been running a lot of races here in Georgia. What would it look like if we actually went to another state and ran? And so we decided to go to Utah. There's a Canyonland uh, marathon that's so beautiful. You run like in between the canyons. It's just a breathtaking view. And so we bought plane tickets and actually ran a half marathon, 13.1 miles in Moab, Utah, which is incredible. And it was the fastest time um, i had for had the, for the half marathon. Now I wanna show you something. I wanna show you the picture that I showed you before after my very first run. So this is a picture of me <laughs> completely exhausted, completely tired. This is the face of someone who has given up. This is the face of someone who said gonna and then that gonna turned to shoulda. And now I wanna show you a different picture. The picture I'm about to show you is the picture they took at the end of the Moab uh, Half Marathon, the one in Utah. They actually took it right as we were crossing the finish line. So this is a picture of me at the end of 13.1 miles. (laughs) Just a little bit more excited, right? This is the face of someone who said, I'm gonna, and then they actually did it. This is the face of someone who trained and worked hard and ended up accomplishing the goal. This is the face of someone free of regret free of the shouldas, someone who said, I'm gonna, and who actually did it. Now, now I want to make sure you understand, to get to this place was not easy. I don't want you to hear that I just decided one day to get up and start running, and it was all downhill, and it was all easy. In fact, during the training between the peach tree and this race, I actually injured myself pretty bad, had to completely change the way that I ran, even change the shoes that I had. Um, I had to to like go to the doctor to get some things figured out. I also did a lot of training and a lot of running early in the morning, sometimes as early as like 5.30 in the morning. I also trained in the afternoon in August where it was almost like 100 degrees, just completely hot, like sweltering. There were many runs that were over 13.1 miles, so I'm talking like 15-mile runs that I was doing to train. Sometimes it was up to 100 degrees. Sometimes it was lower than freezing. This was not easy, but it was worth it. Because see, see either path that you choose, whether you decide to do something and actually do it or you decide to do it and you back out and you have regret, both have pain. Because you have the pain of hard work and you have the pain of regret. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the pain of regret is always worse than the pain of hard work. The pain of regret, that sinking feeling when you know you should have done something and you didn't do it, is always worse than the pain of hard work. And so I want to show you those two pictures side by side. Um, The picture of regret, the picture of shouldas, and here the picture of winning, the picture of setting out and actually doing something. And when you look at your life, the different areas of your life, maybe everything from school to your relationship with your parents, maybe some relationships with your friends, which one of these pictures is most like who you are? Are you the person who says, I'm gonna, and then you end up having a lot of regret and defeat? Or are you the person that actually has made it happen? And so for some of you, you have this kind of sinking feeling of regret, and you don't even know why. And maybe the reason is because of this principle. The principle that doing takes you further than talking ever will. And so maybe God is pressing in on you about a specific area of your life that looks like this. And imagine what it would look like if in your relationships with, like, your parents. What if instead of just saying, I'm going to be more patient, or I'm going to listen to them, or I'm going to respect them, what if you actually did it? Or maybe in, maybe in school, what if instead of saying, I'm going to get better grades, you actually worked hard and studied? Or what about your relationship with God? Because I know this, I know that many of you come here uh, on a Wednesday night and you get super excited and you get like animated and you get so inspired and you say something like this, man, I'm gonna be closer to God. Man, I'm gonna read my Bible more. Man, I'm gonna pray more. I'm gonna talk to God more. I'm not gonna do that anymore. I'm gonna do this. And then a few days pass and a few weeks pass and as you look at your relationship with God, it looks a little bit more like this. And maybe God is pressing in on you about one of those specific areas. So here's the question that I want to ask all of us tonight. The question is this. What are the gunners that you need to do? Not the gunas that maybe, you know, kind of thinking about doing, but the gunas that you know you need to do. What's that one thing that God is saying to you that this is something? That instead of just talking about it, what if you actually started moving in the direction of doing it? Because all hard work leads to profit. But just talking about it leads to that empty, empty feeling. And so, what I want to do, I want to end kind of on a practical note, because getting to where you feel like God's calling you to be is not always easy, and sometimes the the, the path to get there and the steps to get there aren't clearly laid out. So, I want to just talk from my journey of running, what it took to help me, instead of just saying I'm gonna do it, to actually doing it. So, the first one is this: first one is set a goal. See, for me, it wasn't, I'm going to run. It was, I'm going to run the Peachtree Road Race and not stop. In fact, this is, this is the advice uh, given to like, all runners everywhere. When people say they're going to run, the number one thing people say to them in response to that is sign up for a race. Because when you actually set a goal, and it's a very clear goal in front of you, you are way more likely to accomplish that goal than if you just say, yeah, I'm going to try. And so maybe for you, instead of just saying, yeah, I'm going to be closer to God. What if you set kind of a bite-sized goal of, okay, what if every morning as soon as I wake up, I just pray for five minutes? And maybe that's your goal. Or maybe your goal is every time I come home from school, I just want to kind of like debrief with God a little bit. And so I'm going to open up scripture and just read a chapter a day when I come home from school. So maybe for you, there's a specific area and God's pressing in. He's saying, set a goal. Not just this really broad thing, but something specific. And then here's the next one. Don't give up. There were so many times where it was like below freezing and it was 5.30 a.m. and the alarm clock is going off and my legs are already sore and I'm like, I don't want to get up. I don't want to run again. I don't want to train again. Sometimes you're just not feeling it, but that's okay. The key is to not give up. See, there are going to be times, and, and, and maybe even tonight is one of those times, where you go home and you get like, really excited and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to read scripture more. I'm going to talk to God more. I'm going like, you know, to spend time at church more. Like I'm going to do these things. And then a day will come when you're not really feeling it. A day will come when you're a little bit more tired than normal. Or maybe your friend calls you up. Or something else comes up. And on that day, I would say to you, don't give up. Don't give up. Because the end is in sight. But you got to keep going. And then here's the last one. Last one is run with others. Um, The first time I tried to run, (laughs) uh, I did it alone. And I came back and I quit. But then, if you remember, when I started to run again, I ran with Catherine. And then after running with Catherine, I started running with my friend, Matt. Running with others always helps you run further and faster. And the same is true of your walk with God. If you try to just like do it alone and be the, you know, lone gunman and I'm the hero and I'm going to make this thing happen, it's going to be really difficult. But what would it look like for you? If like every morning when you, you know, you set a goal of like every morning for five minutes, I'm going to pray. What if you had someone else that was doing the same thing with you? And what if you like called them and say, hey, I I did it today. Did did you pray? Well, what would it look like if maybe even you've got a buddy of yours and you start going through the same passage of scripture together? And don't run alone. Don't try to just knock this thing out by yourself. Doing gets you or talking won't. Just saying I'm going to do something is not the thing that leads to a full abundant life. But actually doing it, setting a goal, having someone running with you and not giving up could give you the life to the full that God promises. And so where is it that God is calling you to take your gunas to the next level? Let me pray for you. God, thank you for, um, for having the heart of a father. Not a father that um, wants to get something from us, but a father who wants something for us. God, I pray that we we would see your heart and know just how much you care about us. And God, as it comes to our relationship with you, I pray that you would help us not just hear and be inspired, but to actually do the things that we know you're calling us to do. I pray that you would help us set a goal and I don't know what it is for these students. Maybe for some of them, it's the five minutes of prayer in the morning. Maybe for some of them, it's, it's, it's reading scripture in the afternoon. Maybe it's holding um, someone else accountable. But whatever the goal is, I pray that you would make it so clear for these students. And then on the days where they want to give up or the days where it feels really difficult, I pray that you would whisper to them and just say, hey, don't give up, I'm here. There's more for you. And then I pray that you would give them someone that they can run alongside so that they don't have to do this alone. God, because we know that doing gets us, we're talking won't. And the hard work is actually hard, but oh my gosh, it's worth it. So we pray that you would help us. Oh, we need your help. As we become people that don't just say we're gonna do something, but we actually do it. Thank you for your grace. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen.